welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And it's just kind of dawned on me really that I am not recording this intro in particularly optimal recording conditions. I don't know if you can tell by my voice that I am absolutely full of cold. So it's September, which is Lurgy month. So if you've got kids, you'll know all about this and they go to school and it's a new year and they mix with all these other kids and swap germs and stuff like that. So it's just like a snot fest for September. So I've got that going on. So I do apologize for my dodgy voice. It's a Friday night. You might be able to hear my neighbors in the background. They're enjoying themselves. They're starting their weekend off with a great big sing-along. So um, yeah, keep your, keep your ears peeled for that too. Professional service here from Proper Mental. But we're going to do it anyway because needs must. Let's just crack on, right? Welcome to another episode of Proper Mental. It's episode 37 and this week I am joined by Brendan Geegan and Matthew Riley from the Bottoming Podcast. And I suppose the best way to describe uh, this week's episode is it's an LGBTQ plus special. So yeah, it's really important to me that I look at all aspects of mental health, mental well-being and mental illness. And I want to come at it from everybody's perspective. You know, it's a real, real thing for me that everybody, you know, I talk about relatability a lot, right? So I want everybody to be able to relate with this podcast. And that means I want to have episodes that reflect all aspects of mental health. So I really wanted to have one that focused on the LGBTQ plus community. Now, that's a little bit trickier than it sounds um, because you know, mental health is really, really, it's precious, you know, and I respect anybody's mental health and their journey or story around mental health more than anything. So I couldn't just like find, uh, you know, like a gay person or a trans person or, or any member of that community and just ask to speak to them purely because they've had a mental health issue. That didn't seem like a right thing for me to do. It didn't seem to have enough respect for any of the important aspects of the conversation for me just to do that and you know if I speak to someone it's because you know they want to share their story and I can hold space for this story not purely just because they happen to have a different sexual identity to me and the other reason is you know I can't just I don't know find a gay person on Instagram and ask them to speak for all gay people and all trans people and all non-binary people it just like that's not how it works right that would be ridiculous to uh, to see it like that so I thought well why not reach out to Brendan and Matthew because they have a podcast called Bottoming which is an LGBTQ plus uh, mental health podcast so they speak to all sorts of different people within that community all different types of stories all different types of you know, life experiences and way of looking things and and different challenges. So, you know, they can't speak on behalf of everyone in that community, but they certainly do have a lot of um, experience talking to different people. So it just made sense, you know, it was a really good way for me to kind of, um, yeah, ask some questions because I think that a lot of people, when it comes to the more challenging subjects or the not the more challenging let's say the bigger subjects like sexual identity like gender identity like race I think a lot of people don't want to talk about these things because they're scared of making mistakes 
and they're scared of offending people and they're scared of getting things wrong and getting piled on on social media. And so because of that, they just don't have these type of conversations. So um, yeah, it was great for me to have Brendan and Matthew help me out because they just held space really nicely and they kind of allowed me to um, you know, maybe get a few things wrong or, you know, sort of bumble my way through it a little bit. Some of my questions go a little bit the long way around the houses because I'm not quite sure how to vocalise the point I'm trying to make. And they were so lovely and so understanding and they really, really, yeah, they gave me a lot to think about. This is one of those episodes that I kind of went away really um, thinking differently about mental health and how it affects different people and different areas of society differently. And when we look at the, the stats regarding mental health in the LGBTQ plus community, they're, they're higher. And after, you know, after this episode, I can see why. Yeah, there's a lot of food for thought. We talk about things like um, homophobia and coming out and unable to, you know, truly be open about who you are because of like the extra stigma about that so there's all the stigma about mental health and then there's all the stigma about sexuality or about gender identity and it's just like layers and layers and layers and yeah it was really really fascinating episode and what I really really hope is that people can hear it and they can just feel more compassion and more empathy for what other people are going through you know people in the mental health space tend to be really compassionate anyway but obviously as a straight cisgender male I've only got my own lived experience and I couldn't possibly begin to understand what, for instance, Brendan and Matthew have been through with their own journeys, even though we've all suffered with similar mental health stuff. But by, by talking about it and by listening to them and by trying to see the world through a different point of view, then I can very much have compassion and I can very much have empathy. And I think that's just so important in all conversations really regardless of what we're talking about so yeah it's really really good and i can't thank them enough for their help they were absolutely lovely their podcast is brilliant um i had listened to a few episodes of it anyway before i spoke to them and since speaking to them i've listened to a lot more they've got a new series starting in the next couple of weeks it starts this month in september um and they yeah they'll have amazing guests and it's yeah it's just fascinating it is really really interesting stuff they're very funny they're very lovely they're very open and honest, you know, they're more than happy to get into things and they're just like, uh, yeah, they're lovely guys and I like them a lot. So yeah, go check them out. It's at Bottoming Podcast on all social media and their website is bottomingpodcast.com, I think. I'm not quite sure. I probably should have checked before I start this intro. Google it, it'll pop straight up. Um, it's a very popular podcast, so it's very easy to find. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, it's at Proper Mental Podcast. You can email me through the website, propermentalpodcast.com leave me a review it would be lovely if you did it really does make a difference to independent podcasts i want as many people as possible to hear this because i'm hoping that people can hear it and relate to it and feel a bit better about their life and their things and their mental health maybe they could learn something maybe it'll help maybe it'll do a little bit of good in the world to get that out i need reviews while you're dropping reviews go and have a listen to an episode of bottoming and leave them a lovely review too like i say it's very very good that's everything you need to know from me. And this is episode 37, wow, of the Proper Mental Podcast with Brendan Geegan and Matthew Riley from Bottoming. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy.
Okay, so here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and I'm joined today by Brendan Geegan and Matthew Riley. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Very yeah. good. Good. Oh. Week's going fast, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Mate, yeah. All every date is going fast at the moment. <laughs> like it's just I don't know where this year's where this year is going. <laughs> so are you guys joining me from London? Is that is that where you are? Yes. Yeah, we're yeah. both in Hackney. Oh, fantastic. So um, I think the, the plan today, we're going to have a bit of a mental health related chat. And um, I've been reading some of the, the stats and statistics about how mental health, how it affects the um, LGBTQ community and how people in that community are much more likely to experience mental health stuff. And I found the stats like really, really shocking um mm. and i you know i thought that'd be a fantastic episode to kind of like explore that a little bit mm-hmm. and look at you know if we can you know some of the reasons why and um you know just to br- bring that to some people's attention really because i didn't know about anything mm-hmm. about that i'd not really thought about it and if i haven't then other people haven't right so yeah, um exactly. i think it'd be a really interesting uh conversation but i suppose before we get there if we could chat a little bit about you guys and um you know how do you how do you know each other how long have you known each other um we've known each other for about eight years we, we met at a retail shop and obviously um being two gay men bit of animosity to begin with <laughs> um mainly on my side I'm not sure why um and yeah became fast friends and then um were each other's kind of like go-to um le- person to lean on um working in retail can be a bit grim yeah so I think it kind exactly. of solidified the friendship quite early on yeah, um, yeah and then yeah just kind of never never left each other i guess <laughs> yeah. thus far <laughs> yeah we'll see right <laughs> um, was there with um because obviously you've got a mental health podcast which we're going to chat about in a bit but was there a moment with mental health where one of you had to kind of was it always unspoken between or always in the background between the two of you or was there a moment when you had to kind of um one of you reached out to the other um and the reason i ask is because I was thinking about like my friendship groups and I've got loads of friends that I'm really close with and I love to bits and I could have that conversation mm-hmm. and I've got friends that I love equally and I want them in my life, but maybe I couldn't have that conversation. Yeah. Right. So I was just wondering how that came about that you guys started being so open with each other. I think it probably started quite early on, to be honest. I think we're both mm. quite open people. Um, give or take a few, a few topics, but pretty open to begin with. And I think in terms of the mental health aspect, we'd always just kind of cover up, cover up with a bit of a joke mm-hmm. or like say, you know, I'm feeling really shit or in work, especially there'd be like a rough day or whatever, like stuff going on. And in retail, you talk about stuff that you probably don't talk about with your best mates just because of the environment that you put into <laughs> and forced into. So that happened quite quickly. And then we kind of had like the common, common connection of just like slapping a joke on everything. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, Oh my God, this really awful, terrible, you know, heavy bit of trauma but then throw a pun on it and make it a bit of a lot. And it was just like a way of coping, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it kind of has just escalated from there, as you say, into the podcast bottoming that we we do. So, I mean, there's, there's a pun right there, but <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of gone from there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think like humor in mental health, I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, aimed in the right way and done in the right yeah. uh, situations, <laughs> of course. But um, for me, I find it, um it almost kind of like belittles some of the big stuff that I go through it gives it's almost like the school bully thing I'm flipping on its head I'm trying to bully depression or whatever you know (laughs) belittle it by by taking the mick out of it and um but it can make you feel a a lot a lot better and I think when you've been through stuff um you know then it can be uh 
yeah it can be a really powerful tool can't it to kind yeah. of to get you through and, and stuff yeah. like that yeah and also we although in in the early days i don't think we would have been you know talking about suicidal ideation or like you know a lot of the heaviest stuff that we've started to talk about now but i think with any kind of serious conversations even if you just start a little bit it kind of is um you kind of desensitize each other to the mm-hmm. types of topics and so the more you kind of gradually get into the conversation uh the more detail you might go into or the the dark you might um open the door and show um so i think it's just yeah like matthew said just kind of grown over the years and it's probably brought us a lot closer together mm-hmm. um in doing so yeah definitely any sort of like um opening up and sharing on that that level is really good for for friendships and relationships mm-hmm. and and all that sort of stuff it's um you realize how powerful it is isn't it once you start yeah. start doing it i was kind yeah. of like i don't shut up about mental health now but for, <laughs> for a long time i wouldn't even like wouldn't even think about it yeah um, but yeah once it, it's it's quite um it's quite power it's quite freeing isn't it to be able mm. to talk so openly with with someone yeah. yeah and was it those conversations between yourselves that led to the led to the podcast completely yeah yeah we kind of we're just like I guess like regular friends for quite a few years um and then 2017 ish um I started kind of something something cropped up from um my past that I put in a bit of a box and said was dealt with and told myself was dealt with so it wasn't really till 2017 that like my own mental health kind of fell apart um and I think similarly Brendan was on like a kind of similar ish track with his own stuff as well um, and I started counselling um, early 2018. We did an enormous, I mean, I'm giving you kind of footnotes here, <laughs> but we did an enormous fundraising walk because I was kind of, oh, forget about I that. wanted to do something as well as going through like the mental, emotional journey of counselling. I was like, I want to do something that pushes my body as well, as if it's not already hard enough. So <laughs> we did a fundraising walk um, where we walked around the Isle of Wight in one go. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that on your show, and I've got it in my notes to um, to ask about that because it's something I felt myself as well, um, and I haven't quite found the way to to do it, the physical mm. way of doing it. But like your walk sounded perfect for it, mm. but sometimes I've kind of like for me, I want sometimes feel like to really like be able to open up and embrace therapy. And just just embrace me <laughs> is to sort of push myself so physically extreme that there's like there's nothing left to hide behind. <laughs> and I, I was wondering if there was any of that in your in the idea of your walk, maybe. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think any of us who were a group of four um, called Sissy that walk. I don't think any of us had any idea just how hard it was going to be. Mm-mm. Um, we so was it the all the way around the the island? Yeah. Right. So you start at a start line and I you know. walk the entire coast back to the same start finish line. Wow! In one so, one hit. In yeah, I mean, there's like little breaks, but it was about thirty. I was going to times about thirty two hours it took us. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a lot harder than than a th- we obviously trained for quite a while, walking around, walking to work, like walking around London, which is not the same as the coast of the Isle of Wight. No. So if you do anything, I would definitely recommend getting some sort of terrain that's even vaguely similar. Because uh-huh. <laughs> like oh, Kingsland Road, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like all of those main roads in London are not the same as like walking. Um, up a cliff. Basically. Up a cliff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was definitely something for, for me, I think because it was with the council and I didn't know what I was going to get out of it. I kind of had no control over 
what that was. And you kind of going into it, I had a bit of an idea. I was like, right, I want to go in and do my X amount of sessions and come out cured. Obviously, it doesn't work <laughs> that way. Um, but I knew, I knew quite fast that there was no control over what was happening. Um, and I think this was a bit of bit of a way of me like trying to regain control over me, me as a person. And it, that obviously was like the only other option I had was physically. So I was like, let's push this because I know I can do it and I need to achieve something and it kind of it worked all quite well together yeah also it had the the desired desired effect yeah yeah there was yeah, lots I'd... of tears lots of talking <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. yeah no that's awesome i think something about really like testing yourself and doubling down and forcing yourself to complete that physical mm. task this is some quite weird um parallels with therapy you know yeah. like sit, sitting in that chair for an hour or whatever and just trying to um trying to vocalize these things that you're not quite sure what's going on and um but pushing yourself to to get through it against your will um you know there's a there's they can like a real real parallel there you know it does show you what you can what you can achieve because there there were many points during the walk (laughs) where i was just like i I can't go on it's just not possible but then you continue go a few more steps a few more steps and then you just keep going keep going and then you've done it and You've kind of made it through this entire thing, which seems, you know, something like you've never done before and you, that you never think, thought you'd be able to do. And I think therapy for me was very similar. Um, and also equally, yeah, like you say, physically exhausting after every single session. And um, I guess that walk was just more of a condensed over 32 hours. <laughs> Here's all your pain. <laughs> and then, yeah, try and move on. But. Yeah, yeah. I think if to... Um like when we've put all this like protective stuff up around us and we're burying all this emotional stuff in, whether we're like, we know we're doing it or not. Um, that's, it's really energy intensive to keep mm. that guard up all the time. And I think like, for me, the physical aspect has always been like, well, if I just completely empty the tank, like completely, then even the stuff I don't even know that the walls that yeah. I've built, that I don't even know about yet. They'll just, I, they'll just keep crumbling because there'll be mm. nothing to hold it up. So I've always quite liked the, quite liked the idea of, uh, <laughs> quite like the idea of that. But um, yeah, I did, I was chatting about it in a therapy session and like my therapist was like, you, you know, that's a little bit extreme. You could just yeah. keep coming, <laughs> could just keep coming here and chat to me so so i've yet to uh, i've yet to find my isle of white walk but um yeah yeah we'll see just speaking of like therapy there because again i've heard you talk about on the podcast um how important is it how can i phrase it how important is the sexuality of your therapist because so many people don't connect with therapy because maybe they um haven't found the, the right therapist for them or a therapist that has an academic understanding of what they're going through, but not a lived experience of what they're going through. And I was just wondering if that, um, if that plays a part. Well, I was lucky enough to be paired with um, someone who, who was a gay man as well. And we both have very similar upbringings, both from regional towns. And so I found it really useful actually, because he could relate to everything that I was saying and, and, with LGBT people there are a lot of nuances in the upbringing and and the experiences that we go through that um, it is more of a shorthand when you are also from that kind of experience so it does really help and we also spoke to um, actually someone called Will who is an assistant psychologist from the NHS and we asked the question whether you know it's mandatory training that people have are taught about LGBTQ issues um, and it is dependent on the 
the clinician's um, preference, really. There's nothing mandatory in there. So not everyone will be paired with someone who is, you know, going to mm -hmm. be um, well-versed in, in, in those areas. Um, I know for me, it definitely was useful. And I think for a lot of other people, it would be useful as well, because um, I think in a lot of our traumas, there are, there are um, it is kind of connected to people who aren't from the LGBTQ plus community sometimes it is sometimes it isn't um so you never know what's going to be triggered by the type of person that you're connected with um the amazing thing with the nhs and and other therapies is that you you do have a choice at the end of the day and you can move on if you aren't connecting or you aren't gelling so um yeah i think i had kind of a, a slightly different entry point into counseling when i started so i um, went to Survivors UK um, and in my initial kind of assessment to see who they were going to place me with um, they kind of asked whether I prefer man or woman kind of how it would how it would work better for me and at the time when I first went I didn't want to speak to a man I, I wanted to speak to a, a woman so it's a it's a charity for anyone who doesn't know it's a um, it's a charity for uh, men that have suffered like sexual assault and sexual violence and that kind of a range of things in that area um for, for gay non-binary and trans men um and i didn't want to have a gay well i didn't want to have a man like the gay man's not another point yeah i didn't want to have a man do my sessions because at that point i kind of felt way more comfortable with like feminine energy um and i've had always had like um my girlfriends when I was growing up I grew up in a single household with a single parents household with my mum so that kind of felt more comfortable for me so I did two rounds two um groups of sessions both with um different uh therapists who were women I don't know what their sexual identities were uh, so uh, yeah so like sexual identities were but um that for me was was my preference at the time whereas I'm actually um trying to go back into counseling at the minute um, and the really important thing for me this time is that someone, it was someone who was LGBT. I want to talk about some slightly different topics this time. So the gender of the person is not important anymore. I just need them at this point to be LGBT because I don't have the energy to go into somewhere, risk going into somewhere where I have to spend two or three sessions kind of explaining little nuances that I should say someone that has the same lived experience would, would automatically get. So yeah, I kind of it was a it was a kind of two different experiences that I've had so far. Um and yeah, I'm I'm waiting to see someone new, but for me it's kind of a non-negotiable of their LGBT as well. Yeah, sure. I really like the idea actually of kind of um, you know, using therapy with one therapist for one thing to talk about. And then, you know, once you have a little break, yeah. like, you know, because a lot of people being therapists, you have to go and you have to find your therapist and then you just yeah. stay with them forever. But um, yeah, that's pretty cool that we can kind of, um, I've never really thought yeah. about that. How, yeah, plug and play and move it around in what suits yeah. best for us. Because it's such a personal experience, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's so, I don't think people understand it. I certainly didn't. When you mentioned earlier about going to therapy and just like getting fixed. I was like, that was, that was me in a nutshell. I was, I was a bit like, you know, surprised if this will take uh, two sessions, yeah, you know, like <laughs> I thought it was going to be like good, goodwill hunting, you know, like we'd all have a cry and a hug and then I'd just skip <laughs> off and all my problems would be job, solved. Job done. Yeah, that's it. But that's kind of like, that's the media 
um, portrayal, isn't it? The media portrayal of, of therapy and um, I suppose of, of mental health and, you know, and of, and of sexual identity. So there's, mm-hmm. the media has got a lot to, <laughs> a lot to, uh, a lot to answer for. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, when you're thinking of guests for the podcast, do you have particular areas of mental health that you want to um, explore yourselves or shine a light on or raise awareness for or stuff like that when you're planning your episodes? Um, were you quite specific in who you contact to um, to shine a light on different things? I think from from the off, we've been really aware that we're both white, both cisgender, we're both kind of lived experience anyway, we're both from a similar space. So we were really aware that what what we and what we wanted to do as well as platform um platform people that were not kind of from the same space as us because that sort of group thing can can be quite dangerous in a way if there's no like difference in in thought um and it started off more as a i guess kind of like free therapy for us where we were speaking to each other and then we'd see something really interesting crop up or we'd be doing a bit of research and be like oh actually I know of someone that would be good for this. Let's reach out to them. Um, and I've got a background in diversity and inclusion um, in a previous job. So I kind of had a bit of a network of people that were doing different things, but all LGBT related. So it kind of started in that way for the first season. Um, and I think it's just kind of escalated from there, really. Like as mm. as what we've doing, as what we're doing has grown, we're now kind of thinking more what's happening, what actually is not being spoken about enough you kind of see something crop up on social and be like, oh, this is the first time I've heard about this. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. We need more about that. We don't just need another podcast by two white gay men talking about something that's already spoken about on millions of other podcasts. So mm. we've been quite, um, yeah, quite focused, especially in the second and, and upcoming third season, I think, as to who we want to speak to. Yeah, definitely. I get that a lot. That's why I'm, why I'm laughing. I remember when I was planning this and I wrote down like my first list of like the 10 people I wanted to speak to. I looked down and they were all just like white, straight blokes, yeah. like late thirties have all had depression. And I was like, yeah, yeah this ain't going to work. No, one, <laughs> no one's going to want to listen to this. Yeah. So, but what's really, really interesting when you kind of explore all these different aspects of mental health, and mental illness, what I found is that I might not have any first-hand knowledge or experience about the actual illness or about the situation Mm -hmm. but some of the more inner aspects are like i'm like oh yeah i can completely identify with that so someone will be talking i'll say what you're saying that really resonates with me just for me it didn't manifest as a panic attack or you know or Mm -hmm. or different things like that and have you found the same from speaking to all these all these people yeah completely it's um it is quite refreshing there's there can be times when it can be it can be overwhelming because especially when we do months like um, LGBT history month and pride month, we did, we do weekly episodes for those months. And so when it's kind of like back to back to back, it can be like, Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> why can't anyone be you know, fine? And just, okay. Um, but the, the, the kind of um, validating thing about it. And um, I guess is that there is always this shared, human experience where we've all got so many um differences and intricacies and we do relate to absolutely everyone that we have on the podcast and you know a lot of people that obviously aren't on the podcast as well but will be um because everyone does suffer with the exact same things it's just at different levels um and so 
like you're saying, although they might be from a different, you know, um, different upbringing, different ethnicity, different gender identity, different sexuality, there is always that common thread um, that our listeners and that we can relate to. Um, so absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think when we look at those statistics around like the LGBTQ community and why the statistics are higher for mental health, I was reading up on a lot of the reasons why. And a lot of the reasons um, that were in this list, and I'm sure it's not an extensive list by any means, um, were this, exactly the same things that would affect straight people. But because of sexuality, they like turned up times 20, if that makes sense. You know, I was trying to think of the best way to kind of describe, I know in my head what I want to say with that. But, <laughs> but you know, just, you know, like feeling different from the people around you and, you know, um, identity stuff. That's something yeah. that really, really fascinates me. You know, the idea of, um, you know, a lot of uh, stuff behind me, a lot of stuff I'm working through is really like, like, who am I? You know, and like you by pretending to be something I wasn't really, really kind of, for so long, completely losing mm. sight of who I am and all this sort of stuff. And I think it's got to be, um, I don't know if it's got to be, I'm asking the question, I'm not telling you the answer, but um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, when you are trying to work out your sexual identity, right? When, or, you know, maybe, you know, you've worked out your identity, but you're not quite ready to, you know, to share it with other people and stuff like that. That's got to be really internally disturbing right and that's a massive factor in in mental health surely yeah i think we we covered kind of upbringing as a as an episode and and education as well um i think that's obviously such a pivotal part of every person's life it's so many years in school with peers and when i mean this is going to sound super but like when society is important um and imposing certain views onto like the wider scale that is it's so easily transferred into like day-to-day conversations mm-hmm. as a child so i mean i went to an all boys sports college um like high school it's called sports college and in in that in, like we i spoke about this on a podcast recently but i don't know if i'd have turned out different and it sounds really really kind of naive maybe a bit um a bit clunky to say this but i don't know if i'd have like quote unquote turned out different if i'd have gone to like a mixed school where i'd have been with um i'd have been able to like maybe feel a bit more comfortable with girls rather than going to a sports college where for like five years i was bullied me and my group of friends were all bullied people said we were gay before we knew we were gay um by staff by other people like having that repeatedly like drummed into you all like has to have an effect in some way completely yeah and it takes years and years and years to unpack these things and i think that kind of is the same for anyone that is LGBTQ plus, whether it is um, kind of sexual orientation or gender identity, when not only the world around you, but like the people around you and everything, you begin then to tell yourself that you're, there's something, there is something wrong with you because everyone else is saying it is. And like to unpack that and get to the bottom of that is, is hard, hard work. Mm. Um, So yeah, it kind of, as you said, like the identity thing, I think is, is obviously an enormous part of it, not just because it's a case of who am I, but also, well, who am I, but I don't know what I am because I'm not seeing it also, I don't see it represented. And that's one of the topics that comes up repeatedly in everyone we speak to mm-hmm. is that they have not had representation or seen representation of someone that is like them, people like them, kind of anything positive about them. Um, 
yeah and i think it's just the it's a really important part of that i think and it could be i mean discovering who you are could be quite an exciting thing it could be really liberating to kind of go through the journey and just dabble in absolutely whatever you like and see what you are interested in see what you aren't interested in um but i think because at an early age you kind of get labeled quite quickly uh into you know you're a boy and you like um you can address in blue and all, all of these kind of ridiculous things i mean even when i was a kid i'd hold hands with a girl or like would had have a girl as a best mate in primary school even it's like oh is she your girlfriend and so we get immediately <laughs> clunked into you know these um heteronormative relationships or the idea of, of them that when you start um to kind of think oh actually no i i know i i like you know mr such and such over there <laughs> but i'm not going to say this because um it's different when you like Matthew said, when the world's telling you that you're wrong to think like that. And so that's where the question mark comes in and the internalization and uh, internalized homophobia comes in because it's like, I shouldn't be thinking the way I am and I shouldn't be liking the person I am because they're telling me I shouldn't be. And especially when you're at a young, at a younger age, um, less confident in your opinions and less confident in your mind. And you're not also able to articulate properly what you are interested in or who you want to be um it's just it is like a hard a harder journey to kind of get out of that and then because because you do build a lot of um mental patterns in adolescence and so um yeah it's it just it is a bigger bigger um and tougher journey i'd say mm. yeah. i'm sure there's like i'm sure there's some statistics properly around it but there is a reason that lgbtq people typically tend to like, migrate to more metropolitan urban areas because you're more likely to be around people that are the same mm. so like i kind of before i i think realized i was like getting queer i already was like setting my sights on leaving liverpool and i could never explain what it was and then it was obviously as kind of i got a bit older i kind of understood that i just needed to have that breakaway and kind of be able to find out who i was not in the space that for so long told me that that was a bad thing yeah sure i suppose as well you need to to kind of if you are not in a space where you can live authentically then that it transfers into so many aspects of life because then you can't back yourself in any situation right because yeah. you can't can't get to grips to fully express yourself yeah. and so much of how what we understand about ourselves is from the people that we are exposed to day to day and how we relate to them and stuff like that. So I suppose the idea of like moving away and um, finding a, a community where even if you don't know who you are, at least you can kind of bounce some ideas off other people yeah. to try and, to try and figure, figure yeah. it out in that, in that space. But all that identity stuff that's tied in regardless of sexual identity, regardless mm -hmm. of gender, that's yeah. living authentically is something um that comes up on this podcast time and time again in different ways, whether it's even if it's like having a job you hate and doing it for 20 years and, you know, just anything where you're taking a, I don't know, a round peg and trying to like push it for a square hole, it just yeah. eventually something breaks. Right. And yeah. that mm -hmm. the, the, it's quite um, catastrophic mm -hmm. in that respect. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Another um, thing that popped into my head and I actually said this in a, in a, in a therapy session once, but for a long, long time, I was poorly. And um, deep, deep, deep down, I knew that I was I was like mentally ill, that I was really, really struggling. And I didn't want to 
admit that I was, because if I did, well, then there's all the stuff that comes with it. Then, then I've actually got to act and take action. You know, then I've got to have a label. Then my wife's going to leave me all this sort of like stuff. And eventually it got to a point where I had to admit to myself, you were, you were not well, mm. but then I couldn't, then I still didn't want to do anything about it. And I find myself trapped where I couldn't go back into denial. And I couldn't go further forward into getting help because I was too scared to do it. And for me, the pressure in that situation really, really, that built up that kind of, that was like one of my worst, worst points. And I was trying to explain that in a therapy session once. And I used the analogy of, um, and I'm going to talk about coming out. And obviously we can't talk about everyone's coming out experience because everyone's different, but that's how I described it as if, if I was in an environment where we're, I knew my sexual identity, but I couldn't come out and share it with the world around me because it wasn't safe to do that. And just being completely trapped in between those two, those mm. two worlds. And does that kind of make sense in a way, or have I got that really wrong? <laughs> no, I think, I think it, it does because I mean, coming out um, for me anyway, it does because coming out for me and I guess what's important about coming out, it's being, um, it's being honest with who you are. So I guess, mm in that instance yeah because um you're truly being honest with yourself that yes I do need help and I am a person who has you know depression or I am a person who is really anxious and needs support um so yeah I, I think yeah that does make sense to mm. me yeah so I imagine if you're in an environment where you can't like embrace your sexual identity where you have to keep it hidden so you know you know you've identity you figured you out but then yeah. you can't you can't come out to the world around you and say this is who i am this is what i am yeah. that must be a that, you know extra extra pressure that comes from sexuality that you know other people um straight people wouldn't have to think about really in the in the mental yeah. space and i think it's it's important as well when you kind of think about it in that way i think you get so there was there was a campaign it was a few years ago now um but it was called the it gets better campaign and there was like loads of LGBT celebrities doing videos on YouTube. And they were like, you know, I had a horrible childhood, but then I came out and, you know, things always get better. And it, it skewed the view a little bit because I think it told people kind of slightly unfairly that actually coming out is like the end game. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Once you come out, that's it. And it typically was a lot of white celebrities as well. And what that sort of thing kind of saying that, because for a lot of people coming out is not, is not safe ultimately like depending on your culture religion um like family background living situation there's so many reasons that you have to kind of remain in that space as mm. you said like you can't you know the where you are at with it but for your own safety you kind of can't take it any further mm -hmm. and like safety comes in a load of different ways whether it's like physical safety emotional safety all of those different aspects um but yeah i think it's kind of on the on the, the surface coming out is um quite like an easy one to wrap your head around but actually as you said there's so many different layers to it and different aspects and when you think about someone else's experience there's just so many ways that it can go mm. i feel like i'm being quite negative about this but because obviously people come out and they're like it was the best decision i've ever made and i would never want to go back but i think kind of from experience and speaking to a load of guests and stuff it's just something that um it's just good to kind of recognize, I think, that actually um, it's quite a complex process. Mm. And it takes a long time as well. Like, I don't know anyone that was like, I just woke up one day and was like, oh, I must be gay. <laughs> like, it was years and years and years. And I think, thinking back, I probably knew I was, or 
thinking back, I think I w- was a, was like gay in reception, maybe even nursery, just because of the feelings that I was having at the time. And I didn't recognize that that's what it was, obviously, until I was a lot older. <laughs> but like when you kind of think back, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a long, complex process. But ultimately, eventually, when you're in that place where you can be safe and have like a support network, it, mm. is, it is a fantastic thing yeah. in whatever form that takes. Yeah, you're able to fully embody your your true self, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is are there any other aspects that are worth that you know considering? And I know that's a very big question. That's a very general question. But yeah, from what about the LGBTQ plus community? What have to bear in mind when it comes to mental health? We talk about the statistics that are higher. You know, is there any? You know, um, you know, just yeah like safety isolation these sorts of things you know and that these are again it's kind of like it's ramped up isn't it it's stuff that will affect everyone but it can be ramped up in certain certain communities mm. to the point where it'll have more of an impact on on mental health yeah yeah so so i'm gonna actually i'm gonna plug my my day job as well as a podcast so i work for tonic housing um and we are opening the uk's first lgbtq retirement community um it's yeah i say first in the uk it's something that is is quite common in the us and also some european countries but i think that's a good example that a lot of people don't consider like i think if if you just quickly think about what lgbt looks like physically to you you probably have a have an image of maybe some younger people at least whereas actually um loneliness and isolation as you mentioned like that's a really big thing for lots of lgbtq people of all ages but um, it's especially um, especially high the older the people get and especially older, like the older generations. These are people, say, kind of in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. They've lived through like conversion therapy, um, homosexuality being illegal, the AIDS crisis. Like these are all enormous, enormous things that are not kind of, again, quote unquote, like, but like mainstream. It's not like a, like a forefront issue for the majority so this is kind of when you've lived with decades and decades of discrimination legal discrimination kind of societal discrimination all of those things can have really severe impact on um like your trust of say the health service or the police service so you get a lot of older queer people especially that don't trust the police so if something happens to them and they're like a victim of a hate crime they would just keep into themselves. They w- wouldn't want to report it because their experiences of the police decades ago was actually the police tricking them to arrest them, to lock them up, and they've got a criminal record. And it's the same with kind of healthcare as well. The reason that we're trying to open, or we will be opening with LGBT retirement community this year um, is because there's no options like that at the minute. So people tend to, especially older, older gay men, typically have a higher percentage of living alone. And obviously have less families, have less people around them. So the isolation and loneliness can be really intense. Um, having, having a community space that you can live in with people that think the same, have had similar experiences and kind of are comfortable means you don't have to go back in the closet when you, you know, inevitably be, get ill enough to, you know, go to hospital, have to find a care home, that sort of thing. There's loads of stories of people and kind of getting to the point of no return needing to go to a care home and taking their own life because that's the easier option than going into a place where you know their peers decades ago like bullied them 
to put it lightly, bullied them. So the thought of me now going and sitting in a room for eternity with the people that I went to school with is like the last thing I would ever want to do. So I can't imagine what that would be like with all of those other layers on top as well. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of is just one aspect, I think. Obviously, yeah, this is something yeah. we could talk about for days and days. Yeah, and days. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. I think in mental health in general, mm. um, it's not talked about. Like we're very, very focused on on the the statistics and you know it's it's a lot about the whole like men up to the age of like 45 stuff and stuff yeah. at the moment and um yeah you know of course it's very very valid and very relevant and all that sort yeah. of stuff but um you know there's so many age groups and like yeah the 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 older age groups you know don't get in don't get talked about at all you know yeah. and the, that's um that's you know that's interesting that's really really um fascinating the idea of that it's something that i would never have thought of in a mm. Because you've got years. you've got the you've got ageism, which is a big thing in this country, anyway, and then you've obviously got homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, all of those things, which, when you combine that, is just like an awful mix of things, and there's just not there's not enough being done for either of those things. Mm. Tag on mental health at the end. There's just a lot that we need to fix in this country yeah definitely a lot it's just like when it comes to like stigma it's just like piling it on isn't it it's like yeah. in all these different aspects yeah that's it and then you know some some people it just you know it works out that their lives are connected by so many things with so much stigma on and it just gets yeah. that much that much harder to just cut cut through mm-hmm. it and stuff like that yeah has speaking to all the people all these different people on the podcast has that helped you guys with your own mental health has that helped to kind of explore it i have a lot of moments where someone's speaking and i go oh my god you're talking about me <laughs> and there's stuff that i've never would never even uh, come up come up before has it helped at all i think it's it's um it's definitely like i mentioned earlier been validating because you kind of seen parts of yourself in other people and and realizing that you the classic you know saying i'm not alone that kind of thing it's like ah okay so there's a lot of other people that are in this group um so there's that i think the main thing with us or i don't want to speak for matthew but um we had a huge break after the first season we, we did five episodes and then had 18 months <laughs> off um because it got too much initially we, we we were talking about really heavy things and there were like huge topics that we kind of naively thought we could just you know cover in an episode and <laughs> just our hands off and, and move on but we actually you know those things stick with you especially when I hadn't gone through therapy yet Matthew was taking a break from therapy and so that was a lot harder whereas now I mean I don't want to make anyone else feel bad about the pandemic but I was feeling a lot better with myself at the end of the pandemic in uh end of December um and we were in better places ourselves generally than we were back in 2018-19 so coming back now it's more a case of I think realizing the work that I've done if I'm thinking myself I'm realizing the work that I've done um feeling grateful for the the step that I took to get help and get support and realizing that there is strength in that as well and I think it's more of like a gradual um 
there's a lot of pride that comes with making this podcast i definitely say that yeah definitely i just i'm just going to jump in there is your mic banging on that stand a little bit i'm just getting a very funny noise in my headphones at first i thought it was my little boy kicking the door oh, and i've had a, had a listen and it i don't i think it might be or something wobbly that that end is it but, is um, it still is that going fixed now yeah that's fixed now okay yeah. good <laughs> it was so it like just Slip. gradually gone like this <laughs> and dropped down yeah I was, I was yeah i thought it was one of my one of my kids trying to get in because <laughs> <laughs> so i have been interrupted before um yeah but i'm um, sorry i've completely interrupted us then and lost. I'll, I'll cut this out in the edit <laughs> right, yeah. um yeah so there's it's yeah it is fascinating isn't it to like explore explore that through through other people and mm-hmm. what what you can learn about yourself and um yeah it's really interesting as well that you mentioned having to take a break because mm. the big message in mental health is to talk about it and that's great it all starts with the conversation no one ever says how hard that is yeah no it's not you know it's not please talk about it and remember that you might have to go to bed afterwards you know it yeah. is like it's a and i think i personally believe like more needs to be had around that conversation about how difficult it is whether mm. it's speaking to a friend or just asking for help or or anything like that it's um it's it's hard going right mm-hmm. yeah completely yeah. and it never never yeah. gets um never gets easier either no. <laughs> i mean even before this before this obviously i wasn't i didn't kind of do our initial catch up call but i texted him was like like how are you feeling about this one because i i'm having a really rough couple of weeks and i was just a bit like i don't know what's going to come out i don't know what i'm going to say like it gave me a bit of anxiety and it was the same we did a podcast a few weeks back and like, I was really, really nervous beforehand because when it's in someone else's space, it's it's so different than mm-hmm. like when we sit and talk to each other. It just feels like we're just having a chat. And obviously, even if we're covering heavier topics, you kind of that's like the safe space that we made. Um, which yeah, it was just quite a um, an interesting thing that I felt kind of going into do other people's podcasts that. I'd not really considered about it before. So mm-hmm. as you say, like we, we joke about being like, oh, and you said the same at the start, like you talk about mental health all the time. We, but we obviously both have podcasts. Like we do that all the time. But yeah, I don't think there's that element where people go, and do you know what? It was really, really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. And actually I need a bit of time off where I don't even think about mental health. I'm just going to pretend nothing exists because I need to switch off for a sec. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that's like a really, um, really interesting point as well. I suppose when you have to surrender that control over mm-hmm. to you and you don't know what's coming at you, but that you know that's important to, to important to mention as well. You know that that's very, very normal, normal thing. You know, I, yeah. I always say about this podcast because I do, I get my words wrong and sometimes I lose my train of thought and I never <laughs> really edit anything. And I always say like, mental health scruffy i don't care if the sound isn't perfect or if i get my words (laughs) wrong or if i ask a stupid question because mental health is messy and i kind of want my i don't want this i want this podcast to be relatable right and i can't relate to it if it's too slick and if it's too um and i think you know people being really open and saying like oh yeah you know i'm I'm really nervous about like interviewing this guest or chatting to this person and stuff like that i think that's important i think that's a lot more um yeah, just it's a lot more real, isn't it? It's a lot more, yeah, a lot more human. Yeah, I think there's there's far too much like shiny, shiny mental health, just for the maybe for the commercial mm. aspect of stuff. Being like, you know, a t-shirt with a slogan on, or uh, like buy a fashion brand, for example. Like that, what's that doing? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's okay to be okay. Like fantastic slogan if you actually like dig deep into it, but when it's just super surface level stuff, 
gets me tits a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, you have to really, like, even that statement there, it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Like, you have to really, it's easy to take that at face value and it can be quite damaging because, mm-hmm. you know, it is okay to be okay, you know, in a way that it's okay to admit you have mental health problems. It's okay mm. to have bad days and stuff like that. It's not okay to be not okay all the time. Yeah. That's worrying. You're sick yeah. and you need some help. Yeah. So it, you know, it just depends how we, how we yeah. take those um, things, but it is a strange um, space. And as that awareness grows, it is, that's great. Cause you know, all awareness is great, but then uh, yeah, like mm. you say, at the same time, you know, it can be, um, can be manipulated, can it? And yeah. Oh, yeah. Around. yeah. It's like, let's move beyond that now. I feel yeah. like that's been out there for enough all of us really need to move beyond that because mm. it will all be a bit better for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I wanted to ask as well, because um, back to the podcast, you're on a bit of a break at the moment. And the, the last episode was you were talking about like, you know, the burnout and, and stuff like that. And th- I find that really fascinating. And that's an aspect of um, poor mental health and poor mental well-being that's not talked about enough. Mm. You know, mm. like so really a lot of the stigma around mental health is that, everyone assumes everyone who hasn't um, experienced problems assumes it's like um, trauma related, which of course Mm -hmm. it is for a lot of people. For a lot of people, it's not, you know, a lot of people it is down to stress and burnout and, you know, taking on too much and and Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And I've, you know, I think, I think that was really, really useful as well that on that episode that you talked about that, because that can, that's really damaging, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, my break in 2018 was actually after, I mean, the year that I'd had prior to that was, or leading up to it, it was, I was tutoring two days, two or three days a week at a university. I was working at a manager level uh, as a creative manager for an architecture practice. I was doing freelance projects on the weekends and training for that walk. And (laughs) thank you. And um, so just, just cramming my calendar with absolutely everything. And I spoke with my mum actually recently about this. And she mentioned that, when we're trying to kind of get away from our thoughts and our mind, we can just fill the calendar to try and not think about it and try and ignore it. But then it can just make us completely exhausted and then gone, mm. we're out like a light. And it can take so, I think it took me, it took me a good year to recover completely after that. I was only working one day a week for about eight months and it took a long time to get back from something that, you know, happened in a relatively short space of time. Um, but it's definitely something, yeah, you need to be aware of if, if something um, is, is happening like that. Am I tapping again? Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you were feeling it this year, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, when we came back in December, we had no idea that we'd make like 20 odd episodes. Mm-hmm. We'd initially planned to like, like I've checked back to some of the emails where we like reached out to potential guests and say, Hey, we're going to be doing season two up until like May. And then we'll take a break. So we'll be launching season three in like July. And we just pushed through until basically like two weeks ago because it just kept working. Mm. I had my first like extended time off at the start of July because work was insane. Like it was just, I've never like professionally had any sort of experience like that. And I mean, kind of it's obviously for an incredible project an incredible cause um but we were a tiny tiny team doing like enormous things and i was doing that brendan would come over to record i'd be working like sending emails and the minute i'd finish sending me email we'd sit down and do an episode or like be emailing like on lunch breaks and organizing guests and 
any t- if you told me right now that it was like February the 15th, I'd be like, sure. Okay. <laughs> like my brain is just not processed. And I know that happens a lot of the time, but like it has not processed any, anything that's happened this year yet. Um, professionally, personally, I just feel like I'm a bit on autopilot at the minute. Um, so we kind of initially, we're going to do a couple more episodes on season two to kind of round off. We had a few people like ready to go, but we were just like, we, we've just done four weekly episodes of pride month. Um, I just kind of five. finished five, five, <laughs> it was five week July. So yeah, five episodes. I just launched a big project at work that had been like months work, worth of work. Um, and we're like, I think it's, it's time. We've done, we've done enough season two. Let's call it a day. Take a bit of a break now to like recover and then get planning for season three, um, which, which will be out kind of later this month, early September. But yeah, it was just, it was really important to think for us to be like, we need a break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, you got to practice what you preach, right? There's there's a certain, certain irony in a mental health podcast (laughs) (laughs) running, running you into the ground and contributing to, um, to poor mental health. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah, it's something that's not, um, talked about and it's it's like the the body kind of stores this stuff isn't it and like you say if you don't take the time to mm-hmm. to process it i listened to a podcast um with an author or a couple of authors on about a book called the stress cycle and um mm-hmm. they were talking about you know when we go through these stressful times how we never complete this stress cycle and it just stores in us and stores in us and builds and builds and builds and it's mm-hmm. um you know it's along those sorts of sorts of lines you know we yeah. have to kind of yeah really like reset and reset yeah. and go again yeah like, so is it hay fever is it coronavirus <laughs> is it being run down yeah, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything yeah <laughs> and but yeah but you but you're coming back yeah season three is uh coming yeah. coming back definitely yeah later, oh, fantastic. later this month so yeah, excited yeah yeah oh fantastic well that seems like a really good place to um to wrap it up guys and thank you so much for your time i really really appreciate you joining me that was um, thanks for having us on no no it's really really cool i said i really enjoy listening to your um your your podcast it's like you know for me it's um you know it is literally uh it is a different world right and Mm -hmm. but like the one thing we've all got in common is our mental health and our mental well-being so um yeah we can kind of uh yeah explore that together that's really cool yeah, exactly. really cool. But yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining me. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you very you so much. much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Ta-da. proper mental podcast please like and subscribe the space time